Good morning, New Life downtown. I have missed you. Oh, my heart is longing for the day that we can be uh, together again and worship. I hope you're doing well this morning. It has been a beautiful week here in Colorado Springs, a beautiful spring that we're getting to enjoy. And I've been thinking a whole lot about how things grow, about how growth happens in life. And one of the reasons for that is that I'm currently engaged in an epic battle with a repellent resistant baby rabbit that is destroying my backyard, my newly planted grass seed. And this rabbit and I are going at it head to head and I'm losing. And I mainly I'm losing my ever loving mind about how this rabbit is ravaging my grass and doing everything I can to get the rabbit to leave. And we've chased it out of the yard so many times and it just keeps coming back and eating more and more and more grass. So if you have any ideas, please email those to jbenson at jbenson at newlifechurch.org. In addition, this is birthday week at uh, the Jackson House. Last Saturday, my middle daughter, Avi, turned eight. On Tuesday, my oldest daughter turned 11 years old. And today is Sarah's birthday. So happy birthday, honey. Love you. Hope this next year of your life is uh, absolutely beautiful. And the other thing I've been thinking about is in March, it actually marked 25 years uh, since I became a follower of Christ. And so I've been thinking kind of in that season of looking back on those 25 years since Jesus found me and thinking about how does spiritual growth happen? How do we actually grow in maturity? How is Christ formed in us as the people of God? This week, we are continuing our new sermon series called Walk This Way as we're walking through the book of James together. And James is this really, really fascinating book. As you know, James himself was the half-brother of Jesus. And after Peter, he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he led that church during some really difficult times as they faced poverty and persecution and so many other things. And James really became quite the sage, quite a wise leader. And this letter that we have attributed to James is really a collection of James's wisdom that he was sharing with the church, not only in Jerusalem, but all of those who are followers of Jesus. It's kind of a collection of James's greatest hits on his best advice on how to live. And it is one of the more challenging books in the New Testament as well. James doesn't pull any punches. He comes straight at us challenging us, calling followers of Jesus to live a life that is congruent with the values and beliefs of the kingdom, that a life that looks like Jesus. And all throughout James's book, he's actually pulling on some of Jesus's more famous teachings. He's continually referencing the Sermon on the Mount, quoting uh, his half-brother all of the time. And he's doing so in a style and a substance that really echoes a lot of the Old Testament wisdom books. So if you like the book of Proverbs, the book of James is kind of right up your alley. It's kind of talking in the same way with the same sort of style sometimes that the book of Proverbs does. And today we're going to be starting in verse 19 and looking at this next section in the book of James. And he begins this section saying this, he says, know this, my dear brothers and sisters. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. This is because an angry person doesn't produce God's 
righteousness. Verse 21, therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness and instead welcome the word planted deep inside you. Welcome the word planted deep inside you, the very word that is able to save. Here, James opens this section and he begins with these three commands, these three calls to God's people. He says, you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And then over the next several verses, he starts expounding all in all of these, but he doesn't do so in any sort of systematic or orderly way. It gets all kind of mixed up and jumbled. And the truth is, is that these things are not easily separated. In fact, I don't think they can be. That if we really think about the relationship between the, these things, we can relate. Think about those moments in life where our anxiety runs high or when a hurt seems to run right through us, or grief is running over, or our patience runs thin. What tends to happen to us in those moments is that our anger begins to rise, and then our tongues rage, and our ears recoil. We find anger coming out of us, and we're quick to speak, and we sort of shut off anything that anybody might have to say, with us, uh, say to us in those moments. And right now, we have all kinds of opportunities for those very kinds of things to happen. Our emotions are on overdrive. That maybe this morning you find yourself facing uh, an inordinate amount of financial stress, just wondering about your business or your job and the stress that this season has created. Or maybe some, some extreme anxiety about the future. Or the loneliness that comes from isolation, not being able to be with friends or with family members. Or the disappointments that have come with the things that haven't worked out the way that you hoped during this time. And in the middle of all that, we're also doing most of our communication through digital mediums and other things. And there's all sorts of opportunity for miscommunication. And what we find then is suddenly we're becoming short with the people that we live with or are we becoming a little bit sharper with those that we work with or those that we work for, judgments kind of moving all around in those places. Even with strangers in the store, as we're trying to navigate all the different store policies and procedures and social distancing and lines and cues and things that uh, we're not necessarily sure that we like, we can find that suddenly anger comes out of us in the most unexpected ways and even sometimes to the most unexpected people. And sometimes in the middle of that, then we have others, friends or roommates or spouses trying to speak into our lives, trying to help us to see or asking us questions about what's going on. And we just don't want to hear it. And it can be so, so difficult. But what it, as it turns out that being quick tempered and loose lipped and hard headed <laughs> don't actually produce what God wants to produce in us that these kinds of things don't produce God's righteousness in us. And so the question this morning is, what does? What does produce God's righteousness in us? How is it that we grow? And at the end of the passage, James gives us a hint. He tells us to welcome God's word in us, to welcome God's word in you. He goes on and he says that God has actually planted something deep inside of us. 
See, it's not as simple for us in the area of spiritual growth or formation or development or discipleship. It's not simply what we need to try harder. That, okay, I find myself being quick to speak, so now I just need to try harder not to. Or I need to try more of this or try more of that. And if I just find the kind of energy, then I can do this. I'll just will my way into it. James says, no, that's not actually how this works. But instead, God has implanted his word deep inside of us. And he says that that word saves us. And earlier in the previous uh, passage with Pastor Glenn talked about last week, he said that that word actually establishes new creation in us. That there's something new in us that suddenly, because of the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, new resources are available to us. So he goes on and gives this picture to us that God is actually sprouting something on the inside. That God is doing work deep inside of us. And the challenge, of course, with this is the things that happen inside of us are oftentimes hard to see. Some of the work, some of the growth that God is producing in our lives happens really slowly over the course of time. It doesn't necessarily happen in the way or the time that we want it to. But sometimes it can be so slow, it can be so kind of under the surface that if we're not paying attention, we'll miss it. We'll miss out on what it is that God's trying to do in our lives. And there's other times though, as uh, create new creation starts to grow inside of us, that it actually hurts. That we see as God's ways start to take root in us, old ways of thinking, old ways of believing, old ways of doing things, old ways of responding start to get uprooted. And that can have this painful sort of aspect to it. And so on the one hand, there's the work of God that he's doing that's slow and that's hidden that causes us to sort of need to pay attention to that. And then there's another work that's hard that we need to embrace and accept because our temptation is to resist it. And so James here says, receive what it is that God gives. Receive what it is he's doing. Don't resist it. Instead, tend the soil. Tend to what God is doing. Pay attention. And so the question I think that comes before us from James then is what helps us to do that? What helps us to slow down and pay attention? Or what helps us to embrace the things that we might want to resist? For me, I found that one of the things that helps me to slow down and to pay attention is just getting outside and going on a prayer walk or a prayer hike. And it's been so fun to see so many of you when I've been hiking at Ute Valley or on the Santa Fe Trail, running into New Life Downtowners and seeing your face. Or it's just getting outside and sitting on the hammock and reading a book and slowing down and pay attention and saying, okay, God, what are you really up to? But when it comes to embracing some of those hard things, counseling has been one of the ways that, that God has helped me to do that. To say, okay, I know there's some things that are being uprooted in me. How do I accept those things? How do I pay attention? How do we receive that work, that word that God wants to do? And a counselor has really helped me to do that. So James goes on from here and he says, okay, not only welcome God's word in you, but then he goes on and he says this. He says, you must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves and walk away and then immediately forget what they were like. Can you imagine that for a moment? 
But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and they continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put it into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. See, James says that the word that saves us and the word that establishes new creation in us then starts to grow. God is growing something inside of us. And what God is trying to do, the things that God is trying to plant, the, the things that God is growing in us, the way that God is changing us, how God is maturing us, that gets nourished through obedience. That gets nourished through what it is that we do. See, in the ancient world, texts, written texts were really rare and they were really expensive. And so what would happen is, is that people would primarily hear the word and not read the word. They would hear the word read out loud in a temple or in a synagogue or in a home church. And at the time, it was actually possible to believe that hearing the word was all that mattered. That all, you know, we're just, we just need to hear the word and that's it. That's really the most important thing. And James says this is actually a form of self-deception. And for us, we can actually find ourselves in the same place. We can think, oh, you know what I really need right now? What I really need is another book. I, I really need another podcast. I need another Bible study. I need another sermon. I need a new insight. I need some sort of deeper knowledge. And if, and if I have that, that's the only thing that matters. That's what I really need. I just need more of that. And we can find ourselves at a, in a place where we think, oh, all that matters is hearing the gospel and knowing the Bible. But James here, and he's really echoing Jesus in some of his teachings in the Sermon on the Mount, says, no, no, the gospel is meant to be received and then lived, to be heard and then enacted to be done. And so Paul, James's encouragement here to us then is to work with God's word in you, to welcome God's word and then to work with it, to work with God's word in you. This is how it gets nourished is by us paying attention and then following along, paying attention to what he's doing, uh, what God's doing in us, and then nourishing that by saying, okay, I've heard this. Now I'm going to put it into practice. And what happens is, is when we put it into practice, then we're actually working in the same direction of God as God's spirit in our lives. That when we start to uh, obey the things that he's doing in us. We start to nourish that we're working in the same direction of this, as the spirit and not against the spirit's work in our lives. And so I think the question that we ask at this moment is then what is God growing in you? What are you noticing as you're slowing down and embracing what is uh, God growing in you? And then how do you work with that? For me, oftentimes what I find is that this comes through some sort of just change in desire, where suddenly I start desiring something that maybe I had a low desire for or no desire for before. And suddenly God starts filling me with the desire for something that's his. And then I say, okay, how do I follow that desire? Well, there becomes this nudge, this sort of uh, holy nudge that comes up during the course of the day of a prompting, maybe just to do something or an invitation I sense from Jesus. So when you find those moments, I think James's encouragement to us is to go with that. Go with that. Work with the word that's working in your life. For me, that often comes actually in recurring ways. 
Now, oftentimes the nudge that comes from the Spirit to me is in moments where I'm starting to get so stressed out uh, by the things that I'm responsible for that I begin to overlook or deprioritize or become sharp with the people that are in my life. It starts kind of seeping out. My stress seeps out as being short or impatient with my kids or being sharp or just not really listening to Sarah or uh, with my coworkers at the church, suddenly just uh, feeling myself becoming irritated or annoyed by people that I deeply, deeply love and I respect because I find that I'm starting to focus on all of the wrong things. And then a nudge comes that reminds me that I need to repent, that I need to ask for forgiveness. And when I do that, I'm participating with God's work in me. And suddenly what I find is over the course of 25 years, I'm becoming slower to anger. I'm becoming slower to get irritated and annoyed. I'm nowhere near there yet, but hopefully in moments it is growing. It is getting uh, better, if you will. I'm finding God's work beginning to take root and flourish. He goes on then to say that when we do this, when we welcome God's word in us and we work with God's word, that what ends up happening is that God's word will come through you. God's word will come through us. He says it this way in verse 26. If those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves. Their devotion is worthless. True devotion, the kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father is this to care for orphans and widows in their difficulties and to keep the world from contaminating us. True devotion is this, to care for orphans and widows and to keep the world from contaminating us. He said it really looks like what will start to come out of us is care for others and character that reflects God's image and likeness. Orphans and widows here in this passage really represent those who are powerless, those who are marginalized, those who are pressed to the edge of society, those who are vulnerable among us. And James says, hey, true religion, true faith, true devotion expresses itself in taking care of those in need around us taking care of the vulnerable around us. So who is vulnerable near you? Who is it that the Lord might be bringing into your life to care for, to lend strength to, to be considerate of during this season? Over and over again over the past couple of weeks through phone calls and emails and conversations with other people, I have been so, so, so proud of the many ways that you have done that. Many of you have called the church or told us on phone calls, hey, I've got this amount of money. If there's somebody that needs rent assistance, please let me know, I want to help. Many of you brought tons and tons of groceries here to New Life North and have said, hey, I want to bring this. Others of you are making masks. Others of you are just checking in on neighbors or people in your meal group or those on your volunteer teams. You've done so many things to reach out and to care. This is what that looks like, thinking about those who are vulnerable, thinking about those who are pressed to the edges, thinking about those who may be at risk or at danger and reaching out and caring for them with the love of Christ. This is what true devotion looks like. It looks like care. That will start to come out of us. The second thing he says is it's being uncontaminated by the world. True devotion, true religion, true faith is expresses itself in character. 
not care or character, but both. Both of these things, both justice and character and morality and purity, these things matter. They're both part of the gospel's work in us. So Jesus is calling us and James is encouraging us to act in ways that are in accordance with the kingdom of God and not according to the world. And he specifically says that this oftentimes looks like self-restraint. It looks like self-control. And most often in areas of speech and in anger. James specifically kind of hones in on those things. He talks about what we say and what we do with our emotions, especially the harder emotions that we experience in life. He doesn't say don't speak and he doesn't say don't become angry. He says, be slow to do both, be slow to speak and to be slow to become angry. In other words, what happens is as we welcome God's word in us and as we're working with God's word, what starts to come out of us is that we start to say the right things at the right time in the right ways. And that we begin to respond to our emotions in ways that actually press us into God, into God's presence and into relationships with, other, with others rather than isolating us and separating us from God and other people. And what happens is then is that we're caring for others and as character is coming out of us, our lives start to reflect what God is like. We start to bear God's image well in the world. And the good news in the middle of all of this is we've been talking about welcoming God's word and working with God's word and seeing God's word come out of us is that James and others remind us that the word that is at work in us is Christ himself. The word in you is Christ himself. The word at work in you, the word at work in your life right now, the word at work in you in this moment, in this season, in this time, the word at work in you is Jesus. Jesus is in you working through the Holy Spirit to produce God's righteousness in you. Jesus, who John says is the eternal word of God the one through whom everything was created, the one who came into being and made his home with us. Jesus, who is himself the image of the invisible God. Jesus is at work in you. And when we want to know what God is like, what God looks like, what the life of God looks like, we're called to look and behold the face of Jesus. We want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus the same way we want to know what God has to say, what God would say in the midst of a situation. Jesus is what God speaks to us. He is the word that God the Father speaks. And we want to know what God's anger looks like. We also look at Jesus, who models for us, reminds us that God is slow to anger and abounding in love. We want to know what God's anger looks like. It looks like God himself taking the punishment of all the sin of the world upon himself in the person of Jesus on the cross. We want to know what the word that has been implanted in us looks like. It looks like Jesus. It's Christ himself working in you by the Holy Spirit. And he is the one who is both able and faithful to produce God's righteousness in you and in me and in all of us. And so this morning, we're gonna come here to Jesus's table.
And this is one of the ways, one of the many ways that we can slow down and we can embrace, we can welcome God's word at work in us. It's by coming to the table, confessing our sins, and receiving God's grace and mercy and forgiveness fresh and new in our lives. So if you would please join me in this prayer of confession this morning. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. And friends, it is my joy to announce to you the good news that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And so right where you're at, whether you're home or in your apartment or listening or watching somewhere else this morning, would you go ahead and grab communion elements as we come to the table together and we're reminded that on the night in which Jesus was handed over to suffering and death, he took bread. When he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he given thanks, he gave it to them, and he said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. So drink of this, all of you, in remembrance of me. And so we come to this moment and we receive the body of Christ, which has been given for us, and the blood of Christ that has been shed for us. Father, we come before you this morning and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would help us to welcome the work of your word in us. That you would help us to work with the word that you've implanted deep in us. That we might then find your word coming out of us. That our lives might look more and more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. Help us in his holy and precious name we pray, amen. Friends, thank you so much for watching and worshiping with us this morning. We love you. Hope to see you uh, in the various ways that we can connect throughout the week, either in our morning prayer through Facebook, uh, in our weekly worship with Pastor Brian and Pastor Amy, all the different ways that are available to be able to connect. Hope to see you in those places and look forward to the time that we get to be together again. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.